once again to the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 56. As we always like to start the program, a reminder that we always love your assistance. Please download, subscribe, rate, and review this pod. Some new reviews coming out. Appreciate the feedback. I love reading it. Love to exchange ideas with the wonderful people that check out our podcast. Keep it coming. More reviews is great for our pod, which is continuing to grow in numbers that uh, are superseding what I thought we were going to be at. So I'm very excited about all of that. Make sure you check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. New video out there about the the situation with the number nine right now for the U.S. men's national team. What's happening? Who can we lean on? Do we play a guy that's not a traditional number nine? So much to absorb. And we'll also talk about Gio Reyna. I know we all tuned in on Sunday morning hoping to see the triumphant return and it was just a heartbreaking image to see him leaving in tears. We'll have more details, and we'll talk about Gio Reyna on this program in stoppage time and what it means for his progress. Still just 19. What comes next, hopefully, in an injury that is not as serious as it looked. Very excited to uh, welcome my guest this week as well in the business, and it is Lionel Bienvenue the host of the English Premier League on Fox Sports Net back in the day where I got my TV start and really the bookmark. Chapter one for when people would tune in and watch the Premier League on a regular basis in the United States and Canada. We'll talk about how that program really changed the path and how it's changed the uh, consumption of the Premier League. Everything starts somewhere and it started with Lionel and myself back in the day. That's why they call me the soccer OG. So we have a packed program, very excited as always, so let's go. Because it is my podcast, I will address things that happen in in my world and I think people are talking about. So I wanted to uh, touch on something that happened on, uh, I believe it was Friday. I, uh, I, 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 restaurants have to start paying their staff more money because I, I, I've been going out to dinner and the prices are more to go out than they've ever been before, but everyone's short staffed. So if you're going to ask for more money from your patrons, you got to pay your staff more money because everyone's got short in the kitchen. I keep hearing this. Sorry, we're short staffed. I'm like, okay, then uh, uh, don't be short staffed. There's a way to fix this. You know, it's like you get a big bill. And I, I was telling my wife, I go, should we go out to dinner? I'm like, I'm not really feeling it. Cause I don't want to you know, spend all that money for something we could probably have a better dinner at home. Not to, I, I, we, we should all go out. We should all go out and help the restaurant business, but they got to help themselves too. So I did tweet the following. In the era of post-COVID, getting harder and harder to have a decent meal at a restaurant. Am I right? And Grant Wall, who is, uh, you know, one of the, one of the biggest uh, influences in soccer, everyone knows Grant, if you've, you've covered the sport or follow sport, you follow him on his social handles, you, he does incredible work and writing and he gets you stories that we wouldn't normally have because of his access, he has an incredible Rolodex, he knows everybody. And I will also preface this, that when I took the LAFC job, I reached out to Grant and told him if he had any advice for dealing with Bob Bradley, how to get a good relationship. His advice was great. 
His advice was great, and I still practice it. He said, you know, just sit down, have a football conversation. Bob likes that. And so I had that with Bob. So I appreciate that. So I knew he was the right person to ask with regards to that. So Grant's great across the board. But on Twitter, he is, uh, he's become nice, this hall monitor. And he came up to me and he, he said, post-COVID, after my tweet, because I said post-COVID. And I should have said post-lockdown. But come on. Listen, I'm not. if you do your due diligence with COVID vaccinated, families vaccinated. We play it safe, but uh, uh, I'm ready for to, to feel that normalcy. Here in California, I know many people listen to this. It's not, you know, I, I look forward to not wearing a mask in certain areas. Some places I will. My son, I don't want him to wear it at school. Uh, I hope we're moving closer to that uh, because we're doing it right. We're, we're still doing everything right. But he said, post-COVID, seriously. And this... This hall monitor business is really just, it's not becoming. And it's really annoying because quite a, it's laced in hypocrisy because this is, this is a guy who, who, who's he, more power to him. He has preached the dangers of COVID and it's dangerous. And people have lost family members. It's awful. Nobody is, is being flippant towards it. But this is a guy who traveled all over the world to follow the U.S. men's national team. So not everyone's taking precautions. So if it's a battle of semantics with what we're saying, enough. So uh, I was very civil about it. But the next time, it's not going to be so civil. And I just want get off the pedestal. Don't, don't have to do that. It's exhausting. You do, he does this a lot on Twitter. And it's like, I, I, I'm not going to be lectured at. Yeah, I probably should have tweeted something a little stronger. I was like, I, it was very middle ground. But I, a lot of people reached out to me and say, what's up with that guy? And I'm like, why do I have to have these responses? So stop. That's, you know, we all live our life. I appreciate you. It's coming from a good place. But it's, I feel like a little, like the principal at school. Get out of here. It's not what I really came here to talk. We want to have a good show. We'll talk about Geo Rain. Incredible week. By the way, Premier League delivering it on Saturday and Sunday with City and Spurs and then Leeds, Manchester United, two games, which, you know, you know, people always say the Premier League is the best and go, hold on, hold on a second. It's hard to argue with that now. It's hard to argue. You go, it is the best. It is the best. And I'm sitting here looking at Liverpool. And Manchester City already through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. There it is done and dusted in their matchups. This week we have Champions League. I predict Manchester United and Chelsea advance to the quarterfinals as well. And you can see the possibility of English teams having an all-England final, having three in the semifinals, having four in the semifinals. That won't happen. That won't happen. Could it? We talk about a Super League. It looks like we got one. Great, great performance um, by in those games. Incredible drama. Good weekend overall. Enjoyed what was happening in the Germans. We talk about Gio Reyna and the Bundesliga and, and Dortmund just tearing Mönchengladbach to shreds. Some big numbers out there. So uh, it was good to have the leagues back. A lot of midweek coming up. And obviously the Champions League never a dull moment. That's why you got to listen to the Soccer OG. If it happens, we will cover it. Time now to get to the meat and potatoes of the program. And it is now the business end. Lionel Bienvenu joining us. <laughs> we are back here. Just give me a second to get started here, Bienvenue, all right? I want to do a proper introduction. I hear you laughing like a like a little kid over there. Would you 
Could you hold on a second? I just see your face and it just uh, <laughs> I just start laughing uncontrollably. There's there he is. No I, had to, I had to. I, <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. This is you're just hearing the audio. And Lionel was up in arms because he said he did get ready. He shaved and he showered and he fixed his hair and he put on a nice shirt. And I'm telling you now it's just audio. So my apologies. I should have said this earlier to you before we started recording. That's all right, man. Good man. We get to, yeah, at least I get to see your face, Max. <laughs> Instead of uh, every night on ESPN Sports Center. Yeah, well, it was. Now it's changed. But wait, let me do proper introductions here. Of course, Lionel Bienvenue, who you will remember with the English Premier League on Fox Sports Net, revolutionary show. Now, you've been there for two decades in Denver. Channel 7, the Denver Channel. You are, you mean, I, I, I remember I hung out with you a few years ago, and you can't walk the streets in Denver. Everyone's like, oh, I really love your work. I really enjoy you on TV. That's kind of the time I spent with you. Well, you're the best, Maxie. But look, man, um, yeah, anytime you've been somewhere for 20 plus years, uh, I think people get to know you, uh, good or bad. Like, oh, you jerk, I hate you. <laughs> but, um, man, we go back so far, Max. I was just thinking about uh, when you asked me to, to, to join you here. Um, I mean, 20 plus years ago, 19, I think three years back in the late 90s to 2000. The uh, English Premier League show on on Fox Sports Net. Um, what a wild ride that was! I mean, I think that was the first show of its kind that that featured English soccer. Yeah, um, I had even no idea what it even was. I mean, what, our boss came in one time in an anchor meeting and said, "Who wants to host like an English soccer show on Fox <laughs> Sports Net?" And we all looked at each other: Manor Wright and Kevin Frazier, and you know. Um, all these guys, Chris Rose. Dude, that was a that was a that was a heck of a stable of shows back then at Fox when they had like a daily show. Yeah, we and hosted look, that show. My co-anchor was Brad Good, and then a Steve Lyons and Chris Myers were two of the hosts. Van O. Wright and Kevin Fraser. Uh, Keith Oberman was there at that time. We had a we had quite a uh, a lineup. Chris Rose was there as well. Van Or, do you have a good Van O. Wright impression? Van yeah. O. Wright. Yeah, Vanero was what a what a, yeah. what a great man that was, what a great individual, what a crazy person, but extremely popular amongst the uh amongst the sports fans. But so I said, you know what? Uh I'll do it. I raised my hand like in school, and I was like, <laughs> How much? <laughs> so uh, I was getting a paycheck. Uh, Dermot McQuarrie was the producer, as you well know, yes. executive producer. And I walked in there, Maxie, and there was like a, a Giles Elliott and researcher extraordinaire who you say I should get on this podcast in the future, which I'd love to. Giles Elliott and uh, Alan Hopkins was part of the show. You were part of the show. And I, I was kind of like the Ted Lasso of hosts. It was like 100 percent American without any clue about English soccer. No clue how to pronounce, uh, you know, John Franco Zola and uh Old Gunner Solska Jar. Oh, stop it. Stop I mean, it. It, it. It was like uh, Teddy Sheringham. Who, Teddy Sheringham. Paolo DeCanio. Who's it? That, who are these people? You loved there? Paolo DeCanio. And don't forget David Ginola. We had our oh. famous where I disrobed because he did that. He came in, he celebrated with his shirt off, and, I, and you challenged me to do it, and I did. I'm sure you there's did, video man. somewhere, but don't look for it unless you really. Well, I've, Max, I have tried to find that. I was on the set of the English Premier League show. And you came running across the back of the set with no shirt on. I mean, you were probably, well, you, were, you were 21 at that time. So you were ripped and had abs and, you know, all muscles. Not, <laughs> I don't want to go anyway, that far. <laughs> you came on the show shirtless. It was, um, 
but, but it was like this American who didn't know anything about it. I was propped up by all you guys who knew soccer. Um, and I got into it though. In the three years, it, it really took hold. And um, yeah, it was called the W word many times. Hey, you don't know nothing about soccer. Oh, the, oh yeah. Oh, which uh, the W word with rhymes with tanker. Correct. Yes. Okay. News anchor. News anchor. That's what they were like saying. Anchor, hey, you're such a news anchor. But thank goodness, Max, there was no Twitter or social media back then. I would have taken an absolute beating because it was kind of like fans loved loved me for they were like, oh, you're irreverent and and fresh and sarcasm and some comedy in the show. Others were like, you're disrespecting the game. You're no. ignorant of the soccer and the English traditions and all that. So it was kind of like a. a a very divisive uh, uh, show hosted by me, but thank goodness you were there, Giles, Alan, Christian, whoever else that worked on the show. I can't remember, but man, it was, it turned into something that just, I just took hold. I mean, I would go into the, uh, I would anchor the show at Fox sports net on Sundays after that. And uh, we had 30 monitors up there, right. And all the anchors were in there typing and looking up and the show would pop on on different regionals all throughout the day. And they were like, dude, that, is that you again on this? Yeah, you're on all the regionals. Yeah, and it went across. It was it was crazy. Because, Max, you remember there were sometimes, um, I mean, the Rolling Stones publicist called it and said the Stones are on right. tour here. Where, they, where can they watch? The show? And I was like, the Stones are watching the show? <laughs> this is nuts. So a lot uh, of people really did. carved a, a niche and took off. And it was the birth of this movement of, of English Premier League soccer in America. And, and now, I mean, it's on NBC and the uh, Sunday mornings, it's, it's blown up. Um, and I've kind of 20 years ago, I look back and go, I haven't really followed it. I mean, I, I stayed with the Rapids for a while. I actually did Rapids color commentary. Saw you at mile high stadium one time. That's we right. In the galaxy. And I was in the next booth doing the Rapids and there we were back together again. Um, so I've kind of, I've kind of left the arena of soccer with Broncos and Avalanche and Nuggets here. And we cover the Rapids too, but um, we it, it just kind of get caught up in it and get out of it to look back on that. And I know you're still in it hugely, um, but uh, it was it was just something that seems like it's surreal to say that English Premier League soccer show back in the late 90s, 2000, that was, that was really something, man. So you said answer me this, but I, I know it's true because when I when that channel started, I was under the impression that nobody had it. And oh, you, this, you were on Fox Sports Net, so it was on all the regionals. We had Fox Sports World, and I found out more and more people actually were tuning in. I found out later, and then the Fox Sports Net show, where there was soccer, was nowhere to be seen. And we always talk about you mentioned NBC; it's a two billion dollar property now. When it was there, Dermot, I think, told me unofficially it was like a million dollars if it wasn't free before to televise it i talked to nick geber who hosted the fox football phone and he had the radio rights which he got for nothing but he held on to it all this stuff is very valuable but this has changed very quickly but because it was on net it was a lot of people and i wonder if you hear this a fair bit say that was their introduction and i saw an nbc commercial recently where for the premier league where they show guys getting up at 4 a.m. to watch. And at, granted, a lot of the games we showed back then were on tape delay, but some lie. But uh, they would get in their car to, at 4 a.m. to watch it. And that's become a kind of a rite of passage. So there has to have been opportunity or moments where someone's gone, I remember, or this was what, this is where I was, and this is where I first learned the sport. Does that still happen here 20 years later? 
Yeah, 20 years later. I mean, guys who grew up watching this are now in their 40s, right? But I mean, even there's, it's you, a value to have been in that early and say, I've been watching it. It's a badge of courage to know that you've put that time in because it gives you some expertise. Well, yeah, like even on Twitter, when you and I kind of, um, uh, you know, have a conversation on Twitter and somebody, uh, you know, uh, tagged me in a tweet to you saying, oh, I watched you guys. I, you know, my nine-year-old self uh, got addicted to English soccer uh, back when you guys were doing the show. Um, and it'll be like, wow, yeah, that's it, it's still there. I mean, people remember that. They remember their first experience with, uh, with something that they love and that it has continued on, you know, throughout their life. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, here's the funny thing, Max. Um, when I got to Denver, um, I tried to keep the English Premier League tradition alive. I tried to ride that wave of popularity. I would do an English soccer Tuesday. I'd show English soccer highlights on Tuesdays and then show a table. And I'd get some emails and, and calls and say, what are you doing? Who, nobody cares about English soccer. <laughs> show me here. some Bronco highlights. Like, Let's yes, go. they do. And so I, I started just going crazy. I put Harchester United on the top of the table. Remember Dream Team? Yes, Harchester. Soap opera <laughs> drama. That was one of my favorite shows. So I put... And leading the that was the show before Ted Lasso. The Dragons are number one, then Man United, the Man City. And so people are like, who are Chester United? I'm like, yeah, watch Dream Team. It's hilarious. Um, you'll love it. But um, yeah, so I kept I kept doing segments. I, I did like a first kick at the Rapids games every year and did some Rapids color commentary and then kind of uh, moved away from it. But uh, it always seems to you know come up at some point somewhere, whether it's social media or Somebody even on the streets, and you get it all the time too. I mean, you. I get it for you, you from people. OG man, you are. <laughs> I mean, you know, following you, you went to ESPN Sports Center, which is the pinnacle of a of a sports anchor's dream, is to host Sports Center. And then there was Max Bredos up there, my old buddy from uh from the English Premier League Soccer League and Fox Sports World, and um, you've continued. I mean, uh, the Galaxy and the LA FC. You know, yeah. So Look at you. You know your stuff. What's that? You know your oh, stuff. I, yeah, I follow you like a, like an old friend. I mean, well, we don't talk a lot, but I mean, there's always just keeping track of certain people that you, uh, you know, you were friends with 20 years ago. And you're one of those guys that I just keep following uh, quietly. And uh, you know, every <laughs> once in a while, a tweet. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm watching you right now. You're in a Denver bar. It's two in the morning. Uh, <laughs> it was such a unique thing back then. I mean, like I said, I, I was no soccer expert. Uh, I didn't know anything about English soccer coming in. It was just uh, hosting this show, which was written by, like I said, Giles and, and Christian and, and and you guys and Hopkins. It was all I was propped up by people who knew what was happening, knew exactly what was going on, how to pronounce names, and then just took it and just had fun with it. I mean, somebody wrote it one time, said, you look like you cut your hair with a knife and fork. <laughs> So I brought that's a, a very, knife and fork. That's a very English expression. And said, See, it's not working. It's not true. Um, but you would, you know, the, the mailbag and the viewer mail and the dude who would do the headlines back in London. Right. I mean, it was just, it was entertainment. But also we showed every match and highlights from across the world. And I struggled with, gosh, the names on some of those dudes playing back then. I don't recall. I, I, I don't recall that. I, you did a really good job. And what was great, it was you didn't pretend you knew more. And I always got that impression. Go, look, I'm on I'm on this ride with you. I'm learning. What is this? Bradford. Bradford City was in the Premier League back then. What is this? Dean what is this significance? Or Dean Windus. <laughs> you remember. Now, I got that name. Uh, I remember Dean that Windus. One. I remember Nikki Butt and Muzzy Izzet and... You know, <laughs> Muzzy, is it Lester City? Stick with you forever. 
The, the old um, Leicester City team. Who else did they have? They had a, they had an interesting group. They were at they had their old stadium at Filbert Street, but it was Muzzy, is it? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll find out. That was one of the more intriguing names. And uh, I think Emil Heskey was first starting on that, but there was some, uh, it was, that seemed like the, uh, the oddball team that was very appealing, but it, it, there were just so many great storylines and you would gravitate towards and without doing that, I thought it was, it was very organic and, and just very tender. You know, you're like, all right, this was, this is the way we should be. By the way, speaking of names, we did the Bundesliga as well. We had good old Harry Cock at Kaiserslautern, which brought me hours <laughs> of joy on the broadcast. We just tried to see how we could slip that name in. Oh my gosh, window, we go. And we got away with it all the time. You know, Harry Cock slides it in, yada, yada, yada. So, but the, the mailbag, uh, you know, this is it just shows how far we've gone tech, technologically. We obviously, wouldn't we're actually getting people to send a letter, right? To talk about the Premier the right League. Like I said, there was no social media back then, so there were actual letters coming in, and we would pick a few letters to read on there. It, it was fantastic. But the mailbag, people would send in jerseys. I've got Man United jerseys, Arsenal jerseys, Chelsea jerseys. Uh, I got a, a case of Newcastle beer from some fan. I mean. People would just send things in. That mailbag was so much fun. There were so many good ones. And, and so many people, uh, you know, just that would take, I think, good-natured shots at me, obviously. Yeah. Uh, just I think they get like, it. Like they... I said, like Ted Lasso, like this American anchor is up there, you know, telling us about English soccer. And uh, But it, it was just, man. Well, I, the... I look back on that, and that was probably the, one of the best three years of my career is, wow. you know. Is doing well, that soccer show. I don't even know why. I mean, I know it went away. I was trying to stay out there in LA when it got the job in Denver saying, well, maybe I can go back there on weekends on Sunday morning and take the English Premier League soccer show and work here in Denver. And they're like, well, the show's going away. I'm like, why? Oh, everybody loves it. Everybody loved it. They still love it. You can still pull old shows on YouTube and you go down memory lane. And it's, uh, I, I, when I tell the fans that would watch, that they, they would get upset because I got a lot of the same you did. And I will yeah. say it's pretty clear. It's because you are American. That is supersedes everything. We don't know the game. And everyone's worked hard to, to soften those walls. And it's it's gone some way, but still it is what it is. But the show was presented in a very entertaining way, as you say. And I always wanted to grab by the scruff of the neck and say, you, you are aware if this show's not here, no English football, you're, you'll have to get a videotape of it. So here you get all the highlights, the standings, the updates, and some some good color on this. It's so the story of some of these players. As you said, there were so many great personalities. You can still remember some of them. But it was it was groundbreaking. I, I can imagine when you're in that meeting, I was like, what? I mean, I, I was a soccer fan growing up. I had to watch it in Spanish never in a million years. And I think I would have access like this comprehensive because you get the show and then you go to Fox Sports World and you get the games. Yeah. And I think people, um, like you said, you set your alarm for whatever time it came on and, you know, in your city or your part of the country. Um, nowadays, obviously, you pull up a, you know highlights of anything anywhere on your phone and watch it a complete match on YouTube. So it's completely different time now. But at that time, that was uh, that was the thing. And, and Max, I think there were a couple of different audiences here. One was uh, all the English expats or you know European expats living here that were finally getting their game. The beautiful game was coming to them. But it was like, who's this hosting the show? We get, we love the highlights, <laughs> but we're you know. We're from there. We know what's going on here. And then there was other, the other that uh, American viewership like, like us that were like, oh, this is something new. This is great football. This is great soccer. This is the beautiful game. This 
this is awesome. I'm going to watch this show, but they weren't, but they were from here. So you had like, you know, the newbies watching and then you had the English expats watching and there were two completely different audiences. There was, I would say the, the English expat audience, there was a, a, a good percentage of them were very appreciative and they got it. And I think I heard some, cause I'd go to the old King's head in Santa Monica, which yeah. is where everyone goes, watched games. And which is, was infuriating for me because when I'd go in there, and it'd be early. Um, I would get a slice of re- of celebrity when you did it because of the time at Fox. But when you go in there, there'd be other watering holes that have great TVs and seating areas, and it didn't smell like vinegar and spilt beer. But everyone's going, "No, we're going to the old King's Head." So we'd always go there. There would never be a place to sit. The TVs were tiny, and the smell of of English fare and Scotch egg it was all over the place. But it, it, it went to. They really liked it. But a lot of the English goes, "Hey, Max." You're a, you're, a, you're a news anchor. They wouldn't say that. Say hi to Lionel Bienvenu. We love him. They did. They loved it. It was a, it was a breath of fresh air to see all of that. So it's a, it, it made life easier for a lot of folks to be able to come in and tune in and watch these things and, and, and see that firsthand. And they would congregate. And it was your name goes is alongside that era. And I, I, I always get, a, I was for people like us, I always go, hey, you know, be a little reverent because without the first step and the second step, there may not be a seventh or eighth step in the emergence of this sport. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, Max, it's, um, I mean, it showed me that uh, the passion that, that soccer has. I mean, in, in, in America, when, when you lose a game or a sports here, it's like, ah, okay, we lost. It's not life or death. <laughs> but it, it is life or death for, uh, for a lot of soccer fans across the world. And so to me, the passion was almost shocking. It was almost like, really, are you serious? You guys care this much about your soccer club winning? Yes. I mean, you grow up more so than in America with their teams, right? Because it's like you have to you have to understand the support culture and they have put so much into it and it crosses generations. We have that in the United States, but not like this where, you know, I mean, I remember we we did a a piece on they're going to start doing Premier League games home games in the u.s and this guy uh you know voice topic goes listen max you don't understand those home games are holy ground we can't give them away and i always thought they would try but they don't there's such a respect for the the support culture there and you have to have a lot of respect when you present it because they've earned that there's 100 they've earned that yeah you're right i mean and even like um i mean it's it spawned like uh, ted lasso right i mean that's one of the most popular series um going and it's about an english an american going into an english soccer club and having to learn you know the traditions the sport uh the community how much they care um i mean it's sort of like yeah this is this is how it is over there and it's an eye-opening thing for a lot of people but a lot of us like you were probably looking at going yeah it's it's funny and it's you know it's kind of campy and whatever um but it but it's great um just to show uh, the passion and, and like I said, I brought up life or death situations, you know, for supporters and for soccer clubs. And um, yeah, back to dream team though, man, they were able to use like <laughs> real premier league footage, the dragons. I had loved that show for some reason. It was so crazy, but the, it was, the it, was a, it was a guilty pleasure used, show for sure. When Harchester would play, it was like real, they, they digitized and it, you know, their own players in it, but it was real EPO footage. Oh, so that's funny. important. I'm, I'm yeah. a stickler with that. I got to see it. Did you have, 
one thing that uh, has have, uh, developed because of the American fan is this appreciation of all English culture. And you want to go over and, and see a game and you want to have a bag of fish and chips or newspaper, or whatever, fish and chips. And uh, do you get a chance to go there? Do you get to experience English culture? I think we all learn to appreciate when you cover it, because once you watch these games, you're drawn in. You know, this is really cool. This is I want to be there. I want to have a pint and then eat and watch a game and then come out and have another pint. Those kind of things. Um, I think we've all put into our at one point into our, our day to day. You with Hartchester yeah, yeah, United, for instance. Yeah, exactly. I went to uh, I went to London three times and walked around and uh, saw the stadiums in London. It was actually out of season. So there was nothing going on. So uh, to see the outside. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so many people have a bucket list. Uh, that I talked to that remember the show or there's a kid down the street here in the neighborhood is a junior in high school who is just a English premier league soccer nut. He didn't know I hosted a show though, because he's 16, right? Um, he wasn't so even born when that, that check it out. I he was wasn't talking even English born. soccer with him. Yeah. And he watches <laughs> so every old. Sunday when he get up, you know, and uh, he was like, what you did? You did? Yeah. So I did, the new generation, because of what we did back then, Max, yes. now, you know, fans without even knowing about us. So that that's also something. But yeah, I think a bucket list uh, is to go over there and uh, and get into one of those, you know, historic stadiums and uh, see the passion and have a pint at the, the pub across the street and, you know, just feel, feel what it's all about. Because that's, as I said, that was one of the shocking things to me, just hosting the show and getting up there, and, you know, for a couple hours every Sunday and talking about it. But to, to feel the, the, the letters and you know, when you go out, like I was trying to go out to the Sunset Room, which is was a club, yeah. hot club back then. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, you were celebrities in the line. It's like, there's no way we're getting in here. And then the, the six foot four door guy working the door goes, Lionel! I'm like, he's yelling, Lionel! You like, cross the yes, velvet ropes, mate. His name was Wayne. He's He was the manager of the Sunset Club and he was from England. He was a huge West Ham fan. He's like, go what I- on, you hammers, go irons. I'm like, yes. And he goes, come on. So he got me in the V. Every time I go to the Sunset Room, I'd bypass, like, um, you know, movie stars. Britney I, Spears. I, he would just bring me in because he was an English Premier League soccer fan. Uh, and he was the general manager of the Sunset Room in Hollywood. And it was like, well, there you go. I did some good work at the Sunset Room when I was able to get in. But there you go. I told you. The, you should have come with me, buddy. I should have gone with you. Get through the. I told you the, there, there's an appreciation because there's a there's an English expat community here that, yes, they want it like they have it in England. But there's another group that are really appreciative to see this. And you are the face of it. So you should take a lot of to take a lot of pride in that. Well, it was like one of those things that was kind of an accident. Um but it, but it worked out in the end. I tried as we went on to, you know, understand more and, and kind of get into, um, get into the actual, you know, passion of it all instead of just sitting up there and kind of goofing around and just, you know, uh, taking the scripts from somebody else and reading them and going. So I, I actually, as the show went on, just when it got canceled, I think I was really progressing as an English <laughs> Premier League soccer expert. You wanted to keep going. It went away. But uh, yeah, it was Max. I mean, those times back with you, you, your personality also helped uh, help bring it along. And obviously it took you to greater heights after that. I mean, man, you went farther than I did. You, what are you talking about? What do you do? You're a legend. In Dude, the- ESPN I- Sports Center anchor. Come on. Yes, but it was done. I did it 
for eight years so that I could get this job locally where I could be back in a city I want to be in and, and enjoy it. And I'm, I'm very happy. As you get older, I, with some of the, uh, the national, you, you want to do more of your own thing. And you have a power that certainly is a, as the sports director there. And having put that time in, it's a, it's a good feeling because you've built all these relationships, right? So I'm kind of getting there locally, which is very satisfying and fulfilling. But, uh, you know, and this industry, and I, let's pivot a little bit. This industry has changed a bit because that was, the group that you had, you mentioned Vanner White and Kevin Frazier, who's a season ticket holder for LAFC and a big soccer guy. I bet you he's kicking himself. He didn't jump in and host that show. So I've talked to him every now and then. And you said Keith Olbermann, but that was a, you know, these sports anchors back in the 90s, everyone knew who they were. They were like, they were almost they're like trading cards. Who is your favorite at ESPN with Kenny Mayne and Dan Patrick? And I, I you know, I, I came after that because I wanted to be like those guys. So, and be like you. And it was very, uh, it was very exciting. That's not really the culture anymore because it's, it's, it's a much different mechanism on how you get your sports. You get the highlights, you can get it off your phone at the drop of a hat. So to tune in on these shows is uh, it, it's a little bit outdated. It's still there. I loved it, you know, cause you'd see your favorite guy and you were, you were every, a lot of people's favorite guy. It's still, it's still something to, as an industry to look into and, you know, people ask me for advice and I'm like, pivot, try and do stuff that you can do on a lot of streams. What would be good advice from you for folks that still want to do this? Because it's a, it's a it's a very cool um, industry. It's hard, though. And you may have to start from the bottom and it, you have to be patient. But what would the advice be from you who have such a successful career doing so many things on a national and local level? Well, you're right, man. Everything has changed uh, back then, as you talked about all those names. And when you, uh, I mean, now um, you, ESPN Sports Center is not um, like appointment television anymore uh, because you can get everything on your phone, like you said. And I mean, the big names, um, I can name maybe a couple of Sports Center anchors now, but the, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, just, I'm not cutting down anyone on ESPN, that's for sure. But there's some like, uh, names that you haven't seen or just some people that you don't know or just like random anchors popping up here or there it's not there's know, actually not like a lot of sports Patrick either. and Eisen and uh you know go, uh, so yeah everything has changed and um uh, I would tell people uh I don't even know about getting into local tv anymore to be honest because uh um the road is very very hard and once you get to a top 20 market or somewhere where you want to go um, every station back there is trying to cut back uh, yep. in salary and in uh, spending and we're going streaming and everybody's going OTT and kind of, do, you know, Denver seven plus now. So we do a lot of stuff. Um, so TV is like coming down uh, the ladder and, you know, the streaming part of it and uh, getting, you know, the live updates on your phone and all that is, is really getting into, um, you know, higher level than actually being on TV, but like you, you, you kind of, uh, you haven't, you picked your, your passion and you're working in an industry that is your passion. You're working in professional soccer, right? I mean, that's what you, <laughs> that's your thing. And you are employed in that industry and that's fantastic. So I would say pick something. I mean, there's a fishing channel. You love fish, <laughs> you like the fish. It's well, it, the fish. I laugh, but those, you're absolutely right. Shows. There's cooking channel. Everything has a channel. So um, in terms of like to being a, a I want to be a sports anchor. 
that may not be the right to go anymore because yeah, that's man. that's coming down. It, but to work, I mean, if you want to work, you're a major league baseball fan. Every single baseball team has their own TV production, their own network. They employ hundreds of people. Uh, same thing with soccer teams. Um, uh, every channel, like I said, outdoor channel, a cooking channel, um, whatever it is, whatever you feel you want to do, if you want to be in media and in front of the camera or behind the camera, um, there's a, there's there's something for you out there. So there are so many opportunities. Uh, local TV, think about it, Max. In, in Denver, there are probably 16 jobs um, like mine. Um, there's five stations. There's three or four anchors. You know, 16 to 20 jobs in, in that city. So it's a very, very small and closed off industry, local TV, sports I'm talking about. Very, very hard to get to where you want to go in this thing. But again, there, you know, there's 500 opportunities out there. Uh, on YouTube channel, of whatever it is, the web is full of things um, that you can chase, uh, chase your dreams and your passion. I've seen a lot of folks doing it in soccer and I know they're doing it at all sports and they will, they will create platforms which are available on YouTube and all the social media handles. You could do it on Twitter. You got to build an audience, but these, some of these kids have, and they listen into it and the younger audience kind of gravitates towards them. So there, there's that opportunity. It's, it's obviously painstaking and you've, you've got to build and build and, and you have to invest probably along the way too, but I've seen it. And some of these guys now are, are starting to pop up on national team or national networks doing what they do uh, covering certain soccer. I mean, this guy, Matteo Bonetti is a perfect example, started on YouTube and uh, doing those shows. And now he's a national voice, but it takes a lot of time and you've got to be adept with some of the new technology. How are you doing with that? Cause uh, I'm getting a little better. I'm like doing this podcast, I have my microphone. I have my, I do it off a zoom call. I, I, I edit it. I, it's very rudimentary. I can pull it off, but I would love to hand it off for someone else to do. And there's so much more you can do to amplify it that I'm not even touching on. So how, how's the technology been for you as you've, as we enter here in 2022? Yeah, I'm pretty much like you too. I can do all the <laughs> basics. Uh, I can get on the air, uh, you know, you can do live shots on your phone, uh, you know, edit, uh, edit your stories together and get it on the air or get, uh, talk about on the air, but again, it's more like, uh, you know, posting on your Facebook page and uh, Instagram and, you know, I made a couple of TikToks, but I've kind of given that up. Max. I, just, <laughs> just I did the same. I was My terrible. Kid, I have two. I have twin sixteen-year-old boys, and they're like, "Dad, there are so many news anchors and sports anchors on TikTok, and they do like I don't know dances and stuff in the studio or a day in the life. You know, here I am today, and here's what I'm doing. And they, you know, millions of followers out there. I'm like, what? So, um, yeah, I, you know, I post funny videos on YouTube or, or Facebook behind the scenes and that kind of thing. You know, I shoot on my phone. Uh, we still have uh, editors and photographers and things at the station. So for the TV stuff, you know, I write, produce, and and look at everything. But we the, the video and everything is still pretty much edited by professionals. Um, so far, yeah, we just but, we uh, just want, want anchors just want to show up and read the <laughs> and move on. Are gone, man. Gosh, uh, where do I look? Yeah, where do I look? Okay, got it. Roll it. There's so many. There's so many young people um, out there that you know grow up. You know, editing something on your iPhone, you know, with all the, the filters and the dissolves. And uh, so there's a, a younger generation that is so adept and proficient at that kind of thing. That I, there's no way to compete with that. But I think that's a different kind of avenue where you're a creator 
or your uh, influencer or something. I'm definitely neither one of those. So I'm just going to ride off into the sunset on this anchor thing as long as I can <laughs> and leave the creators and the producers and the TikToks and whatever to those who are uh, who are much younger than I am. Well, people will still love, there's always, there's room for that. And there's the local scene, especially at your level and where people know who you are an award-winning anchor. And there's a, a comfort level that I see on local TV, especially in the LA. And it's, it's the same people that were on TV 20 years ago when I left. And it's, uh, the audience wants that. So there's still, even though there's different layers and technology is changing quickly. And by the way, TikTok, you'd be crazy not to be on there. It's kicking everyone's tail in the social media front. I mean, just the usage, it's like 50% of everything. And then you have Instagram and Facebook and those things are fading away because we're, we're starting to learn this and they're already on the, on the decline because there's something new and it's TikTok and there's going to be something new after that, but there's still room for the, the, the tried and tested anchor that gives uh, the regular viewers some comfort. So that that's great. And by the way, uh, Lionel is uh, I put a bow on this. We'll get, we got to get out to England and see a game and see what reaction it would, it would be. I'm the same as you. Cause I'm always working during the season. So when I can go to Europe and I haven't been to Europe in a while, I want to go back now. Hopefully that these uh, uh, restrictions are, are, are coming down a bit. Uh, but I'm always there when these stadiums are empty. So got to get back to a game, which I haven't done in a while, but that's maybe something on our bucket list to get together. All right, man. It's a date. <laughs> it's a date. <laughs> And work on that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, uh, because you got Dean Windass down. But yeah, the Decanio, Nicky Butts. Butt. One of my favorites. That was Manchester United. That was when people may not remember this. That was when Manchester United were unstoppable. That was a good time. You had, you had the Arsenal team that was the Invincibles. You had Manchester United winning everything uh, when, when Arsenal weren't. You just had, it was a very interesting league. It's an interesting league now, but that was some good times too. But yeah, I mean, the Dwight York and... Um, gosh, some of the other names, Andy Who, Cole, Andy Teddy Cole, Sheridan, and Dwight York. Uh, you know, Beckham was there, Giggs, Roy Keane, Ryan Giggs. I mean, yes, some of these household names on that team, amazing. But I think you still, got they still pop up in my mind. I think you got a letter once on the air, and I, I, I someone asked, uh, they were under the impression with Robbie or Roy Keane were brothers, and you're like, I got some breaking news, obviously, assisted by Giles Elliott, they are not related. So it cleared the air because everyone was under the impression that the two Keens were brothers right. both from Ireland, but different families. That yeah. was the service you provided. You should be very Good proud. times, my man. Good times. <laughs> Lionel Bienvenue over, uh, over at Denver Channel 7. Good dude and a guy who's a big part of soccer history. And we got we, we to gotta check in with our soccer history. Cherish it. Soak it in because it's all part of what we've been able to make bigger in the development of this sport. We'll continue here on the Soccer OG with stoppage time. We'll check in on some of the U.S. players over in Europe. Time now for stoppage time, and we do have news about Gio Reyna. You probably already had this by the time you're listening to this podcast, but Borussia Dortmund tweeting. <laughs> the Dortmund tweet just puts the fear of God in you right from the beginning. Maybe maybe it's very German. Maybe it's a, but it goes, unfortunately, you're like, oh boy. Dan Axel Zagadou tore a muscle fiber during yesterday's match. Oh boy. However... Gio Reyna did not suffer a serious thigh injury. There's a photo of Gio Reyna. So poor Zagadou kind of buried the lead, at least from our perspective. But we feel bad for Zagadou. Muscle fiber sounds awful. 
And thank goodness for Derek Ray, who I want to get on the podcast as well, because he gives you more information from Germany, and it's very viable because of all the Americans that are playing over there. And certainly in this case, you want all the information you can get because the Dortmund tweet is still very nebulous. It's, uh, what's up with the hamstring? Is that okay? You know, that's still an issue. Derek Ray was coming out with a tweet saying it's going to be probably 14 days, which is, it makes it feel minor, but it's still... Put your guard up here because it is an injury and you want to see how his body responds after being out so long. And it, there is a, an, an air of fragility here, certainly with what what is going on here with Gio Reyna. But we hope for the best. Again, clear the path, get well, get games, and then uh, hopefully whether, you know, this the World Cup qualifiers in March, get it out of your mind. Do not even – it's – if it happens, great, but it's about getting well and don't put yourself on a timetable. So over on my Soccer OG on YouTube, I wanted to talk about the pecking order for strikers because it's an interesting story, but go check it out and I give it better detail. But I, I did rank them a little bit right now with regards to who we can rely on. Now, Jordan Peefock's the number one because he's the only guy scoring goals. Now, 20 goals for young boys. I love the, they played grasshoppers. Young boys, grasshoppers. One of the great fixtures in world football. You gotta love Switzerland. Switzerland's great. Bern, where the young boys are, city of clocks. So uh, yeah, great if you like to ski, check it out. So uh, Jordan P. Fox, the number one. It would be if this continues, even if it comes, he comes a little bit off the boil. He has to be the number one guy. He has to be the number one guy here for uh, Greg Berhalter as a striker. If you want to play a traditional number nine. He has those comparisons to Josie Altidore. He is that number one guy. Number two might be Josh Sargent, and you have to take your hat off to how he has battled back to become a featured guy playing in a much more enjoyable stretch for Norwich. They were getting pasted by everybody, and now they're competitive, and they were beating Liverpool. He had an assist. We call it an assist, but it's a very light assist, but he was involved. He also plays out wide on the right side. So you, he's got to get some reps in, in, in inside as a number nine, I would think, because everyone's playing wide for the U.S. You got to, whether you play with a nine or a false nine, you need to have some sort of presence in the middle. So you got to have someone who's ready to do that. Maybe it's Josh Sargent. Ricardo Pepe goes to three, just not getting enough time. Ten minutes this weekend, didn't really have much of any stats. And Jesus Ferreira, I put it four. I think he's going to have a monster year for FC Dallas. It's all set up, and it's even being said that he's going to play more as a number nine. I think he's a guy who can contend for the golden boot in Major League Soccer and eventually be the next FC Dallas product to head out into Europe. So uh, I wouldn't uh, underestimate what he's done, and keep in mind he's already in the U.S. camp. And number five, I put a Jordan Morris. Got some minutes. Seems like a guy you could play that number nine and do a little different. He's got the size, but he is a wide player. He like He likes to go to that byline and separate from that from the lines defensively. So he's in the mix as well. So go check it out on YouTube. We'll have much more information. Good news for Gio Reyna. It's still not great. And everything's wait and see here. Touch and go because somebody reached out to me. I was trying to think of uh, examples of players who are out for a long stretch. Gio Reyna was out for five months and then they come back and get injured again. Uh, Clay Tom Clay... Clay Thompson is it? Yeah, Clay Thompson was one that we thought of of the Golden State Warriors. So looking out for that, I did want to touch on something else here 
with regards to the U.S. men's national team that uh, I thought was kind of funny. So we all heard that Dest, Serginho Dest is, was on the, certainly the, the marketplace to move out of Barcelona. We heard some big names like Bayern Munich, etc., that he could end up going to. And things have changed. All of a sudden, Xavi's a huge fan of Serginho Dest. Uh, everyone is getting better. Des, for example, who was not at a good level when I came, but now he is much better. He played very well today. Went 90 minutes. By the way, Christian Pulisic went 90 minutes as well, which is excellent. It might be he may that means he may not start for Chelsea in the Champions League, but hey, he's he is participating at a nice level. That's good, good development, and he's healthy. Knock on wood. But this Serginho Dest, I, I love the fact that Xavi's on board, and it means he's going to play more often, and uh, Barcelona's been getting results. But he, he very subtly, maybe not so subtly, takes all the credit for it. He wasn't in good form, but now he is. That I had a few months with him, and you know, not in the marketplace anymore, but yeah. I'll pat myself on the back for that one. So very interesting here with regards to uh, Serginho Dest and uh, good and bad news on that side. We're always going to keep tabs with, when I say good and bad news on that side of U.S. players overseas in general and here domestically. And as I always say, when people have this war of words about European-based MLS, if you're of the European-based model, you still have to pay attention to MLS because some of these players come through there and eventually end up there. So don't ignore it. Great show. It's been great to be with you. Don't want to take too much more of your time. We always want to make it guest heavy, but we want to give you a little taste of what's happening. Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under Max Bretos. Check out the library of Soccer OGs. Appreciate all your support. Have a good one. Placido Domingo.